before we launch into our next episode, which is all about play and happiness, we are here to share with you some bombastic news and we are so excited. And happiness has been nominated as one of the finalists in Buzzsprout's Pods Awards. Yay! We are a finalist in the category Best Health and Fitness Podcast 2020. We've been selected from over 9,000 nominations and by evaluation done by external judges. We are so excited! So we really need your help to vote for us to win. It would make Claudia and I so happy. And all you need to do is go to awards.discoverpods.com. Click vote now and search for the health and fitness category. And we are right at the top. Click that and vote for us. Also vote for some others if you want. You know, there's some great other podcasts on there. It's quite a nice place to discover. But really, we just want you to vote for us most importantly. (laughs) Yes, and you have time by 6th of November. So please, please, please do that and make us very, very happy. And through this, being a finalist, but also through potentially winning this, we can dare as many people as possible to be happy. And we are so excited about that. So please, cast your vote now. Enjoy the episode. Thank you for downloading and happiness. Dare to be happy. We are two curious friends that want to explore what makes us happy. In each episode, we will take a topic in alphabetical order and discuss how it relates to and impacts happiness. We'll live the experience of each concept through a dare that we set each other and then talk about how it affected our happiness as well as diving into psychological theories and evidence which supports or contradicts our personal experiences. In other words, in this show, psychology meets play. I'm Kitty Newman, director of Trapeze Media, a digital marketing agency that leads with social. My company philosophy is based on the importance of play in all our lives and how important it is to be happy at work. I have been obsessed with the circus for a few years, hence the name Trapeze Media, and making time for things like handstands and aerial in amongst the day-to-day challenges that come with running a successful business makes me happy. My name is Claudia Mitura. I'm a work psychologist and learning and development specialist with a purpose to boost happiness in the workplace. I love experimenting and applying scientific research on happiness to my daily ups and downs, or just to prove my other half wrong. I also like to look for happiness in unusual places, so I won't shy away from diving with sharks or starring in a pantomime. Sometimes this gets me in trouble. Hi, Claudia. Hi, Kitty. Oh my God, I'm so excited because we are meeting today to talk about play and happiness. And I know that play is one of your favorite topics. Play is such an important topic for me. It's so fun. I've always been a big fan of the philosophy of play and its importance in our lives. Love it. So just before we talk about the dare and about the topic of play and how it relates to happiness, what do you consider a play? How do we know we are playing? Well, I think that there's two things. I think there's one where you've got a goal to get to 
But the way to get to the goal is complicated and meandering and takes you off in lots of ridiculously pointless directions. Even playing football, the goal is to get the ball into the net. That's very easy. You could just put it in there. But then when you add the obstacles of people, you add some rules to make it difficult. That's then how it becomes fun. I think that's one way of play to get to a goal in a ridiculous way. And then I think another sort of play is to just play without any rules and be creative and tell stories and create worlds and make things up as they go along without any kind of rule. Yeah, because I was thinking, is it the play, this kind of freedom or activity with the goal that we're just doing it for the sake of amusement and fun, that there is maybe no goal whatsoever? Yeah, well, I think that's definitely true. But I think when there is a goal, like a game, then that makes it fun too. This week our dare was to incorporate play in our life. And one reflection that I had was that we take for granted that children do play and we know that they need to play because that's how they construct their understanding of the world. That's how they learn it. So we never question when children are playing. That's how it is and that's how we accept it. But for adults, I think, especially at work, I was thinking that the play may be seen quite frivolous or just waste of time. You are an adult, you should be working. Why are you playing? So my question is, can you tell me why are you so interested in play? Well, that makes me so sad to hear you say that. But I understand that because I put that on myself too. When I was working and I would be, okay, take a break to go and play. I had those same criticisms of myself and that made me so sad. It's so important that we do this and that we play and we enjoy our time. Because if all we're doing is grinding and delivering and working, then there's no space for that joy. And also we forget how to do it as well. And I think it's a really great skill to know how to play and know how to play with other people. I think it's a bonding thing. I think it connects you to people. I think play is great for your own personal confidence and your self-esteem. If you can have a good time on your own and you're not getting locked into like the chores, delivering for work, if you can enjoy yourself on your own by making up a game or playing or doing handstands, I think it's just such an important skill. Yeah, definitely. And I think it just gives a pause to our brain, just be free. As you said, like when we're grinding and we're so busy, what I found when I were there was that it gave me a space. I was able to be playful. My creativity got increased. And you just basically engage your brain in a very different manner through the play. So how did you play this week then as part of our there? Well, the thing that this highlighted to me actually is how little I do play. I know that it's important to me. I really believe in the benefits of it. But when actually, like with all of our dares, when you're forced to do it, you realise how little you are doing it. So whenever I got frustrated with work or was struggling with something, I'd try and take a break. The first thing I did was play this game on my phone. But that wasn't quite an escape because it felt like I'm on my phone. And so the next time I tried it, let's just go and do some handstands downstairs because I love to do handstands. And when I started doing the handstands, I was trying to do a really good handstand. So it felt quite rigid. And actually I was like, oh no, I'm feeling a bit stressed. So then I shook off everything myself and I just danced around my room and was just being really silly. And I was dancing around. I put some music on and I never just like dance for the sake of dancing. I never just move around. If I go and do handstands, it's like, okay, well, once I get into it, I do really love it. It's really fun. But it's a process. 
But when I started just dancing and being so silly and was really enjoying myself, it felt like I'd had a cup of coffee or a nap. And then I went back to work. I was like, oh, great. I've had a little distraction. I felt refreshed. I'm just imagining you now dancing around like no one is watching. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was really fun. What did you do? For me, it was yes, similar, like playing a game on the iPhone to refocus for two, three minutes. And you're right, like I enjoyed it, but it's still like straining my brain and it's still like it was quite goal oriented and staring at the phone. The other one, I did a bit of coloring. So someone gave me a coloring book for adults. I received the gift. I look at them like, how old do I think I am? And kind of put it in the corner of the room. And then I was like, oh, I have this coloring and I have some pencils. Like, let me color because I used to love coloring when I was a kid. So I was coloring and I like that. Just feeling really silly. And yeah, there was a little bit of that guilt. Like, hey, you have such a long list of things to do and you are coloring. But It definitely was worth it. That refreshment for the brain was amazing. And another one which I tried was I have few books from childhood on Winnie the Pooh, which was my one of my favorite books when I was growing up. Winnie's Funny Phrases. And it's a very kind of short book. And I was opening it randomly and I was just reading a funny phrase from Winnie the Pooh. And I was just in hysterics. Because it just makes me laugh. And that was fun as well, because it was like a reminder that we should not take ourselves so seriously. One of my favorite quotes by Winnie the Pooh is, people say nothing is impossible, but I do nothing every day. <laughs> when I hear it, it just makes me say, wow, I take myself so seriously. You know, and actually Winnie the Pooh is right, you know. <laughs> Another one I wanted to bring up, I was working with my friend Ruth on Friday and I was doing this report all day. It was taking me forever and I sent it to somebody to look over and then they sent it back saying, I'm finding this very confusing. I don't think you've got the numbers right. And I was like, oh my God, I've just spent most of the day working on this report and now I've got to do basically the whole report again in like half the time. And I was like, oh. And then we had these mugs and some candles on the table and I just started making the candles talk <laughs> and the mug talk and then I made the orange carton talk and then the orange carton really wanted to hang out with the candles but started walking so slowly to get there and the whole thing was so funny because both Ruth and I knew that I had to do this report and I had less time to do it but we were just laughing and laughing about this little play little ridiculous story that I was making up and we had such laugh and it only lasted you know a few minutes but then when I started to go back into the report I felt like I'd had a break. The whole day hasn't been spent on this report. And also, it was a real bonding, little ridiculous thing that no one else would have been part of. And it was pointless and stupid and doesn't do anything, but it made us laugh. That was really good. Claudia, I have a quote for you. You're treating me with my own medicine. Okay, go for it. <laughs> I actually think that there's like philosophy behind play. Plato actually said, an hour of play reveals more than a year of conversation. And I thought that that was so true because whenever I think back to things like family Christmases or new groups of friends, if you play a game, you get to know each other well because it brings people together somehow too. So when we were playing that game and I found that quote, I was like, oh yeah, these little games that you play with people do reveal a lot. And I think it's such a great bonding. 
Two things, Kitty, in relation to that. First of all, in terms of your experience with the stress and the report and releasing the pressure through the play, research says that play at work is linked with less fatigue, boredom and stress. And it is positively associated with creativity. And it is very good, as you said, for social bonding. It creates that trust. It increases that social interaction. And we feel connected to each other. And then Plato, it's absolutely amazing what he said because psychology there is a model for everything if you haven't noticed yet and Dr. Stuart Brown has really fun book on play how it shapes the brain opens the imagination and invigorates the soul and he speaks about eight personalities of play so we all play in a different way I think what we can learn from Plato is yes the personality comes across when we're playing So eight different personalities, we can be combining them and sometimes we adopt different personality depends what's happening. So we have the joker, what we can think about being silly, jokes, stand up, the kinesthetic, playing with objects. So your hula hoops, that kind of play. The explorer, learning about new things, traveling, reading. I think definitely I'm an explorer. I'm quite curious. The competitor, obviously win with the game. (laughs) I can get quite competitive, actually. (laughs) I'm not competitive at all, but I know a lot of people who are. I actually just love to play. I always think like, yes, but if we can win something as well, why not? The director... As in planning or organizing something specific as a part of the play. So for instance, making a cake and then organizing a cake fundraiser. It is a type of a play when you use your skills. The collector, so obviously collecting things. The seventh is the artist and the creator. So obviously anything crafting, anything decorating. And the final one is the storyteller, which I think you use in your example when being stressed about the report, because it is about imagination, watching movies, telling stories, writing something. So just playing through that storytelling. I love them. They're so clear. I see them all. But now I see what you're saying about actually how that does reveal more about people. Because I saw that just on a purely like as a bonding thing. But actually, you can see the different types of people. When you were reading those, I could see a person to each of those attributes that I know. Yeah, me too, actually. It's quite nice to spot. But I also thought that knowing those personalities could be quite interesting when we're designing playful activities, for instance, for work or for team building or even for like family gatherings. Because if people have different preferences for those playful personalities, it might be difficult to just design one type of game to fit them all. So for instance, if we're designing something that is very competitive, then we know that maybe other playful personalities will not engage with it as much. And I thought that's quite interesting because let's be honest, I've been in social situations sometimes when there is a idea, let's play, but what people want to play is like, oh my God, I'm dreading this. I really don't want to play this. That's very tricky to do in a big group. I organized a games night this week with my team at work and I did struggle to think about what would suit everybody. In the end, we did an online escape room. So you solve puzzles and things. And so I thought, oh, well, it's been put together by somebody else and there's different roles that people can take within that. But I wish I'd considered the eight play personalities when putting that together. Next time, I will definitely do that because it was great having a games night with everybody. 
I think it's very useful concept because I also saw a picture which said, sorry, no one had a forced fun during your obligatory office party. Play really works if it's not forced. If you're forcing play, it's just awkward and people won't engage in that social bonding would just not happen. That's not always true. I think there's hesitation and anxiety around playing often. And then things like team bonding or icebreaker games have this reputation of being awkward because you do sometimes have to push yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone. Everybody knows that that's something that has the possibility of happening if you try and enforce this fun and be like okay you have to do this and you have to do that but then I think it's the responsibility of the person organizing the game to make sure that you've thought it through because it can't just happen and you can't just rely on somebody else to bring the fun either I think that it does take a certain type of person to be able to make that situation work and also I think you can sit back and see where people's strengths are as well when we did this with the game I realized like how great it was that a few people had sort of come in and taken lead on a few of these games but there were sometimes like I tried to play a game initially and that was about to die I could sense that nobody would want to play this game and I just cut it short I was like okay don't worry we're not going to do that we're going to do this and actually I think that's true that forced fun can really go badly but I don't think it always has to not work No, I definitely agree. I think we can definitely orchestrate play. But as you said, we cannot expect that we put people in a setting and force them to have fun. We need to work on it and create conditions when that fun will flourish and take that responsibility for generating that fun. When in my training, I incorporate lots of games and playful activities, but I would never do something very, let's say, stretchy in the beginning before the group bonded and there is a trust with the group because then it will just make people feel very awkward and I've been in trainings when the icebreaker was so awkward I was literally cringing because I didn't know the people I didn't have a trust with people and it was just making me feel silly or vulnerable but that wasn't the point for me to be engaged like that but once you have that trust you can really engage people in various activities when they were really fun and they are really unique and people will learn a lot. And people always look at me a bit strange when I propose a game during my training and they very skeptical, but they always remember it because it was different and they had fun and they learned in a much more engaging way. So once I remember I was blindfolding my general managers <laughs> for them to complete a certain task and experience idea of delegation when you receive instructions without seeing the bigger picture. They needed to build certain things out of those blocks and they were blindfolded and there was a certain kind of rules of how to do it. Can you imagine just a room of general managers blindfolded sitting by the table and then my director walk in and he was just, what are you doing? Those are the top leaders of the organization. Why are they blindfolded? What is this training? You know, and I'm like, no, 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 this is great. We're playing. This is great. This is, you know, trust me on that. How do you consider the eight personalities when you're putting a game or training together for a large group of people? 
So in this example, there are different roles so people can match their play personality to that. So you have the idea of building something. So that's for your kinesthetics. There are some rules and ability to win. So your competitors get engaged. You then have someone who is telling the instructions in a certain way. So then you have your storytelling and that aspect covered. And because we also building with colorful stuff and you can do it different ways, then your creators get engaged. So this game have four or five different elements and the play personalities can come into that. So I think it is about those different components and how they can relate to play personalities. Okay, Kitty, my next question to you is, we know play is good for us. In terms of creativity, the focus, the social bonding, we also know that we have certain play personalities and we can use them to be more playful. But how can we actually be more playful? In our day-to-day lives... Absolutely. And I think especially maybe at work, the notion that work is work, play is play, it's just not suiting our happiness. I think it would be quite nice if we can incorporate play and boost our happiness in the workplace since we spend so much time working. It's hard to just do it, isn't it? It's hard to have the idea of what to do. You need to have some ideas, some inspiration of how to play. We try and organize get-togethers. I think a lot of businesses do that, where they organize social catch-ups. It's difficult now trying to do those things remotely. Saying that, playing online is one of the biggest things you can do on the internet is play games. There's lots of kind of like multiplayer games. Quizzes was a massive spike. Everybody was doing a quiz at the beginning of lockdown and people were loving it. I think you need to work to make space for it and to make it part of the wellness of your team and kind of same importance as saying you need to take some break and we need to play. Yeah, cool. So like when you're having a break, why don't you think about playing? I think that would be quite interesting concept to explore. But also I really like what you said around making a list of how we can play because sometimes we just forget what the play is about. So maybe if we have certain activities of, okay, I have a break, I'm going to play and this is the kind of the playful aspect I'm going to do. I think that's quite nice. I found this quite interesting study that showed that when you give people a task to complete, if it's presented in a playful way, then people are more likely to get involved in it and spend more time on trying to complete the task. So I think it could be even as simple as if you are leading a team and the way you're presenting the tasks, instead of presenting them in a maybe standard way, trying to put a bit of play, a bit of storytelling, maybe some fun elements of a competition, then you can take the same task and you can really showcase it as something playful. And the research shows that people will We'll engage it more willingly. This is so interesting. So Jeeves, who's an amazing guy on our team, when he writes stuff up, he does put them across as a story and he'll put little jokes and little lines in that report. And it makes the whole thing so engaging and so fun. And that's something that he does so, so well. And actually, I think that's an element of play. And I've sort of tried to emulate that sometimes and written a report like a fairy tale. So once upon a time, like in the beginning of the contract and then where we are now and going through this thing, and it's made me 
me really enjoy writing this report because I'm doing it as this sort of story. And also we use a lot of like silly gifs and we've got quite a lot of playful chat happening in our like team Slack account. It's quite playful. That's really important to me. There's a space for people to have fun. Yeah, wrapping tasks up in a game is nice. Yeah, I think that's a very nice one and practical one as well. And during our dare this week, how was your happiness when you were playing? Oh, it was great. I also was playing games with Ruth again on WhatsApp. We were messaging riddles to each other. We were scheduling in play breaks for 20 minutes and we'd give each other riddles. And it was so fun. It was just great. I've been very much seeing this as taking a break to play. But what I've really enjoyed about what you're saying is making what I'm doing day to day and making what the team are doing, making that playful rather than it's something separate because there will always be that little voice that's like, why are you going to do colouring in? Why are you going to do this? And yeah, that's important to do as well. But making what you're doing more playful, generally, that's actually an eye-opener for me. I feel like I try to do that anyway, but to be a bit more conscious of that, I think will be really good. And you know, now you kind of reflecting back this to me, I kind of realised that maybe... That's my approach to play, especially at work, because I'm not the greatest person in terms of taking often breaks. And actually, I'm quite guilty of being quite productive and in the flow of doing things. But now when you reflected that back, I'm thinking, especially when it comes to training, that was always my approach. I always wanted people to play during my training and have fun and therefore be happy because I felt that if that's the case, they will learn much more. In training, the beauty is that you can take any concept and yes, you can have it presented on a slides and you can have death by PowerPoint or you can do something interactive with people and something fun and playful. And for me, that was always the preference. Now, obviously, the challenge is how we can transfer that into current online training and webinars. Because currently what's happening, someone is talking at you with the slide deck. I already started exploring certain theater elements that could be incorporated within the Zoom meetings, even though we're not there together, because I think there is so much more that we can do and we can really engage people in those playful activities. Because even you're not next to me, we can pretend that I have this magical invisible object that goes through the screen that you need to catch it. And I think it's just more fun. But Kitty, you know, play is really your topic. When I think of play, I think of you. So why don't you summarize this time? Claudia, what? (laughs) And you can quiz me. (laughs) Well, play is a very important thing for all of us to be able to bond with people in order to take a break and refresh the brain. And there are eight personality traits of play. Claudia, do you remember what they are? Oh, yes, I actually do. So we have the joker, big silly jokes, kinesthetic, playing with objects, explorer, exploring new things, competitor, about winning, director, planning and organizing something, collector, collecting things, artist and creator in terms of crafting and decorating, and the storyteller, imagination and working with words. Very good, Claudia. 
So then wouldn't it be great if we could all incorporate play into our actual work rather than taking the break to play? Why don't we make our work more playful, building happiness into our work, making our guys that work with us more happy and learn from the children? Yeah, I love it. I think for me, the key aspect is definitely learn from the children and we should not be feeling guilty when we're playing. Play is good for us. It's good for our productivity. It's good for our happiness. Don't be afraid to play. Kadia, next week is Q. We had said that we would do Q for quiet, but I don't think me and you have got the um, experience in being quiet enough to run a whole podcast on it. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I have loud in my name. So unfortunately, oh, yeah. quiet really doesn't suit me. <laughs> no, but what does suit us much better is questions. Yes, I really believe in the power of a good question. Whether we are in a situation when someone is coming to us for an advice, let's ask them a powerful question. Or whether when we're trying to bond with someone and actually how much do we know the people around us? Have you asked them recently a very good, powerful question to find out more? I'm looking forward to it. I've got somebody in mind that I've known my whole life that I think I could ask some good questions to, to find out more about them and see what happens. Brilliant. I think that's the there. We're going to be utilizing questions in our life. We're going to ask some powerful questions to the people, as you said, that we known maybe our whole life. Let's see what we can find out. And I think the very nice thing is to watch out for our happiness and their happiness. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And just to remind everybody that as well as liking and subscribing, we also have the website andhappiness.co.uk. And we've written up a list of 10 things you can do to help your happiness, which is a downloadable document. So visit the website, have a look at that, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. And if you would like to stay in touch, you can also sign up to the newsletter on the website and you can always just say hello. Yeah, say hello to us anytime. That will make us happy. That makes us very happy. But in the meantime, we dare you to be happy. Bye. Bye.